Hey, it's Pastor Jeffrey Graff with Faith Family Church Next Gen. Thanks for tuning in. I hope this message brings truth, clarity, and hope to your situation. God loves you very much, and I hope you feel that today. Enjoy the podcast. Hey, what's up, everybody? How y'all doing today? Good, 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 good. Well, as you see, we're starting a new series called The Person God Uses. You know I don't like to feel like I'm up here by myself, so talk back to me. Say, the person... God uses. We're talking about David. You've probably heard a lot about David, man. David did a lot of awesome things in his life, and he did some really terrible things in his life, things he'd be so ashamed of if people knew they eventually found out. And maybe I'm weird, but I kind of take comfort and have hope in the fact that God uses that kind of person because I think most people want to be used by God. I'm not saying like if you ask some random person at the mall, would you like to be used by God? They'd be like, what are you talking about? But I think most people want to feel like their life matters. Like if they didn't show up somewhere, people would notice, right? We want a life that matters. Everybody say matters. Matters. Here's the problem, though. We got some jacked up ideas of what a life that matters really looks like. We think that our life matters, you know, fill in the blank. Only if I make this much money. Only if I marry this type of person. My life matters only if. And normally, it's like my life matters Only if I'm not ordinary. But here's the funny thing is most people have very ordinary jobs, very ordinary lives. It's not like what they do is like super impressive, you know. But I think we make the mistake that just because something's not impressive doesn't mean it's not important. It's a very big difference. So I want to use David because truthfully, David was normal. Everybody say normal. Three reasons I'm going to give you real quick why David was just so normal. First of all, the town he was from. He's from this little town called Bethlehem. It was like not that big of a town. Might as well be Victoria. Secondly, his family. He is from a very average family. When like the royal family, they were just normal. So not just his town, not just his family, but his job. Everybody say job. He's a shepherd. That's about the most normal job you could have. If you made a 2022 version of David, you might as well put him in Victoria, Texas. Give him like a last family name like Jones or Garcia, are there any Garcias in the house? Yeah, see, and if you're in Victoria, there will always be a Garcia somewhere. Like, hey, Garcia, and just be like, what's up? You'll see someone. And you might as well have him work some normal job, like maybe at the oil field or something. David was so normal, but that is the kind of person God uses. So today, I'm going to show you that you relate to David way more than you think you do already. I promise. And I'm going to show you three things that you can uh, really think about and cling to so you don't slip into your, you know, discouraging thought patterns or discouraging ways um, and feeling like you're not going to be used by God. So we're entering the point of the story today where the nation of Israel is getting a new king, okay? Back then, the way that they'd anoint a new king was a prophet would come and he would rub oil on another guy's head, which is kind of weird when you say it out loud, and then uh, that guy would be the new king. And so... The prophet Samuel is told to go, he's told by God to go to Bethlehem because one of Jesse's sons is going to be there. So he don't know who he's going to see, but he goes to Bethlehem and he meets Jesse and he lines all Jesse's sons up in the house. And so he's like, oh, maybe it's the oldest brother because the oldest brother was like really tall. The Bible says he was like real handsome. And for some reason, people think tall people are better, but short people are way more anointed than tall people. Um, so I don't know what's in that. Place. And so God's like, no, it's not that brother. 
And, and Samuel goes down the line. And God says, nope, not that one. Nope, not that one. Nope, nope, nope. And Samuel's confused because nobody in the room is the king. And he's like, God, you just sent me here to anoint the king, but nobody's the king. And so verse 11 of uh, 1 Samuel 16, it says, then Samuel asked, you got the underlying part, are these all the sons you have? And the dad replies, he says, actually, there is still the, the youngest, Jesse replied, but he's out in the fields watching the sheep and goats. Pause. David didn't even get invited to the dinner. That's jacked up. Like if, if somebody called your house and uh, Tedrick and Angela are here, so we'll, we'll pick on them. Okay. So if somebody called the Valentines and they were like, hey, one of y'all's kids is going to be the next president of the United States. How jacked up would it be, B, Ashton, if he was like, all right, Austin, Avery, y'all sit at the table. Uh, Ashton, you could go to your room. That's jacked. Oh, what you mean? Oh, my bad, dog. I didn't even mean that. <laughs> hey, but was his exhort fire or not? Yeah. Two, <laughs> what are the odds? I've never used you as an example before in my life. But here's the point. Here's the point. How jacked up? How jacked up did David have to feel? And this is when we meet David. Right here, at least he could have been invited. What would it hurt? He would have at least got to celebrate one of the other brothers. At least he could have, you know, been in the picture. But when we meet David, he is completely left out by people. But here's what the Bible wants you to see right from the beginning. Just because you're left out by people does not mean you're not chosen by God. Just because you're left out by people doesn't mean you're chosen by God. David probably lived his whole life thinking that his family would dictate his fate. His fate. Like, God, oh, whatever they say for me. And yet one of the things we see is that David is not even visible in the room, but he's so valuable to God. And people that are used by God, they know this. Even when I'm invisible, I'm still valuable. Say that. When I'm invisible, I'm still valuable. See, we often feel insignificant because we aren't seen. But I just want to remind you, like, many people who are unseen are still very significant. God does not determine your worth the way that most of the world and maybe even the way that you determine your worth. We have terrible ways of assessing value. We think like, oh, do people see me? Do people admire me? Am I somebody they would pick to be in the room? Guess what? Even if you're not, their opinion doesn't have the final say. That, you got to find your value where it counts. I was thinking of it like this. I didn't write this. God just kind of dropped this in my heart last minute in prayer, but you ever been to like maybe a farmer's market or something where there's all these tables and they're selling stuff and there's not a price tag on the thing and because the value is not visible, you don't know how much it costs, so what do you do? You debate it, right? I'll give you 20 for it. And like, uh, 30, mm, 28, mm, 27, right? If the value is not visible, you debate it. And I felt like God wanted me to tell you your value might not be visible to the world, but don't let people debate it. Because I think what we do is I think that if people can't see us, if we're not getting the recognition, if we're not having status, likes, we're not cool at school, and people can't see our value, what we do is we start letting the devil debate us on it. Ah, uh, you ain't nothing. We let ourselves talk us out of it. And here's the thing. As a Christian, I just need you to know, you do have a price tag on you. Your value is visible, is the cross. You ever wonder how much you're worth? 
that much. Somebody would come to you, to earth, the Son of God, who did not have to come and say, I love you so much that I'll die on a cross so that you never have to question your value again. At some point, we need to let that get in our heart and say, God, thank you. I'm going to let that be my value. Paul says it like this, and you need to think about it like this. He says, you know, in the kingdom of God, it's upside down because we're like a body, And most of the parts of the body that are the most important, you can't see them. Can you see your heart? Is it valuable? Can you see your lungs? Is it valuable? Can you see your pancreas? I don't even know if a pancreas is valuable. I just wanted to keep going with it. Can you see your liver? Hello? Can you see your liver? No. No. (laughs) Is it valuable? Yeah, I wouldn't want to live without a liver. And Paul says it's like that. Listen, in the kingdom of God, you better know like value is not always what's seen. And as a pastor, I feel really obligated to talk about this because most of my job is on a stage, very seen by people. I'll speak one weekend and I'll talk to a couple thousand people if I'm over there. And yet I know that's not where my value comes. And not only that, I know that that's not even the most important part of what goes on in church. The most important part of what goes on church is the things you never see. I wish I could brag on people like Emma Higgins, Glenn Davis, Delphine, Miranda, all my small group leaders, all the, listen, if they didn't do what they did, who cares that I'm up here with the mic being seen? I'd be talking to empty chairs. Why? Because not everything that's valuable is visible. So every time you feel like I'm not very valuable, is it because you feel like you're not visible? Because God's the God that sees the shepherd boy in the field that people left out, but he still picked him. And a lot of you feel left out, but I need you to know that God still picks you. And the Bible says that in the last days, he will bring everything in the shadows to light. And he will show. And a lot of times we take that to mean he will show us all the stuff that we've been hiding from God in the shadows. But the opposite is also true. God will bring out all the stuff that you've been doing for God in the shadows. And this whole time he's going to let you know, I didn't miss it. When you prayed for that person, I heard it. When you forgave that person and nobody else gave you credit for it, I saw it. When you sat with that person at lunch and Pastor G didn't see it and brag on you, guess what? God sees it. Not a thing goes by God. And if you keep assessing your value based on if it was visible, man, you're playing a dangerous game. Amen? All right, let me move on. So maybe you ask, why am I valuable? (laughs) Thank you for asking. Um, Let's continue the story. Samuel, the prophet, learns there's another brother named David outside, right? So he tells Jesse, the dad, go get him. And we pick up in verse 12. So Jesse sent for him. He was dark and handsome. Notice it does not say he was tall. I just want to point that out. He was dark and handsome with beautiful eyes. It was weird, y'all. I read that in junior high. And like five boys were like, "Mm." (laughs) mmm. Why is that the scripture that just really got you? What you got on your tattoo? Uh, 1 Samuel 16, 12. All right. The Lord said, this is the, is it not up there? This is the one. Anoint him. We don't got time. Parents are going to get out. Verse 13. So as David stood there among his brothers, Samuel took the flask of olive oil he had brought and anointed David with the oil. And the spirit of the Lord, is it on there now? Well, I'm going to be a good storyteller today. And the Spirit of the Lord, everybody say Spirit. Spirit. 
came powerfully upon David from that day on. Then Samuel returned to Ramah. So get this, David was anointed to be the king, and then God's spirit came on him and started helping him do things that he couldn't have done without God. And and I want to explain this real quick, because I think a lot of people misunderstand what it means to be anointed, okay? I'm I'm just going to break it down very simply. Some people think only pastors are anointed. Some people think, no, no, no. No, the word anointed, it actually, it literally means Christ and Messiah. Is that on the screen? Praise the Lord. The word anoint means Christ and Messiah. So a lot of people think like Jesus' last name was like Christ. Like if he had a license, it'd be like Christ, comma, Jesus. Height, 5'7". Just kidding. Uh, No, 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 no. He's Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus Christ meant that like Jesus was the anointed one. Jesus was the Messiah. So get this. In the Old Testament, everybody say Old Testament. That's the part before Matthew. The Spirit of the Lord was on David and anointed him to do powerful stuff. But in the New Testament, if you are a Christian, then the Spirit of Christ, a.k.a. the Spirit of anointing, comes to be on the inside of you and starts to empower you to do stuff that you wouldn't be able to do without God. And so David was anointed, and you and me are anointed, and people that are used by God, they understand the second thing. I'm anointed to accomplish my assignment. Everybody say, I'm anointed to accomplish my assignment. Now, why do I say my assignment? Because David was anointed to be the king. Watch this. He was anointed to be the king, and then he went straight back to being a shepherd. It was at least four years till he even saw Goliath. It was at least probably 10 to 20, it's debatable, but before he ever actually became a king. So he was anointed with oil on his head, still doing stuff with the sheep, watching sheep. Here's what I need you to know. A greater anointing doesn't always mean you're going to get a different assignment. A greater anointing doesn't always mean you're going to get a different assignment. God might anoint you to be exactly where you are right now. He might anoint you to be in 11th grade. Praise God. I've been doing the same thing. In like two weeks, I'm going to turn 28. But when I'm 28, that'll mean I've been preaching for officially 10 years. I started preaching when I was 18. I have been doing the same assignment for 10 years but hopefully I'm growing in my anointing. Do you know right now you are anointed to accomplish your assignment? Let me make that make more sense. Uh, I have a car, and in my car, it takes premium gas. How familiar are y'all with gas? Who pays for your gas? Who who parents pay for your gas? Man, lucky y'all. So premium gas is like the expensive kind. That's what my car takes. One time... Y'all know Gabe Gonzalez? He was trying to be nice. He filled my tank up. He put the wrong gas in it. And my, yeah. And my car, because it had the wrong stuff, it was like laggy. I hated it. I'd like hit it. And I'd like, I hated it. It was so annoying, but I drained it, put the right stuff on the inside, smooth as butter. Listen, being anointed means... Wherever you go, listen to me, wherever you go, you run differently because of what's on the inside of you. Does that make sense? Wherever you go, you are going to run differently because of what's on the inside. So, so one day when you have a job, you could be at work full of patience and everything you do is excellence. Why? Because you got the spirit of Christ on the inside of you and he's compelling you to do that. 
Whenever you're in your friend group, you're full of humility. You're full of love. Why? Because you got the spirit of Christ, the spirit of anointing on the inside of you. You're anointed right now to accomplish your assignment, but I don't know if you really think about what you're running on. I think a lot of us, if we're honest, we're running on bitterness. We're running on jealousy. We're running on whatever the last thing was we saw on Instagram. Maybe it made us mad. Maybe it made us lustful. Maybe it made us prideful. You got to be careful about what you're running on because there's stuff that God wants to put in your spirit, but you got to be close enough to him to be in touch with that anointing. I'll put it like this. Remember when airdrop came out? Airdrop, right? Okay. There was stuff on my phone that I could download to other people as long as they were close enough. And some of y'all are wondering why you're not in touch with the anointing of your life and why God's not dropping stuff into your life and putting vision in your life. It's because you're not living close to him. It's like the airdrop principle. It's not going to work. God has vision for your life. He has dreams he wants to give you. He has things that he wants to give you to get you through a hard season or to show you what your purpose is in the season you are in now. But if you don't live close to him, he can't drop it to you. You're anointed to accomplish your assignment. You could run on the spirit of God at school, work, in your sports. David knew it. So David kept doing his thing as an anointed shepherd. He doesn't know how God's going to get him from the shepherd field to the kingdom. But look what happens in the meantime. I'm, I'm not going to lie. I'm going to read you a lot of scripture. But sometimes I like to do this because I want y'all to get in the habit of reading scripture for yourself. Probably like a minute and a half of scripture. So here's what we'll do. You don't have to say the underlined part, but just imagine that you're David. All right? Or you can be whoever you want, I guess. But just imagine that you're there. Verse 14. So David's just anointed Y'all listen. Everybody say, I'm listening. David's just anointed as the king, but he goes back to the shepherd field, and he's probably thinking, how in the world is God going to get me from the shepherd field to the kingdom? I'm in the middle of some small town shoveling sheep poop. And this is what verse 14 says. Now the spirit of the Lord had left Saul. That's the old king. Well, it's the current king, but David's going to take his place. The spirit of the Lord had left Saul. And the Lord sent a tormenting spirit that filled Saul with depression and fear. Some of Saul's servants said to him, a tormenting spirit from God is troubling you. Here's what we'll do. Verse 16, let's find a good musician to play the harp. Whenever the tormenting spirit troubles you, he could play soothing music and you'll be well again soon. Verse 17, all right, Saul said, then find me somebody who plays well and bring him here. Who y'all think he's going to pick? Nick Wyman, plot twist. Verse 18, one of the servants said to Saul, one of Jesse's sons from Bethlehem is a talented harp player. Not only that, he's a brave warrior, a man of war, and he has good judgment. He's also a fine-looking young man, and the Lord is with him. Verse 19, so Saul sent messengers to Jesse to say, send me your son David, the shepherd. Let me pause real quick. I got three more verses, but never underestimate how God is going to accomplish what he tells you he's going to accomplish in your life. You think that's the route David thought it was going to happen? No. And some of us, we have this idea of how God has to work, and we have made our plan and our idea our God. God can do whatever he wants. He could pull the strings. He could do stuff when you're not looking all the time to get you exactly where you need to go. So verse 20, Jesse responded by sending David to Saul along with the young goat, a donkey loaded with bread and wineskin full of wine. 
So David went to Saul, began serving. Now all of a sudden, who's in the king's court? David. Saul loved David very much, and David became his armor bearer. Verse 22. Then Saul sent word to Jesse, asking, please let David remain in my service. I'm very pleased with him. Verse 23. And when the tormenting spirit from God troubled Saul, David would play the harp, and Saul would feel better, and the tormenting spirit would go away. Now, I read that all because I just need you to think with me. We always give David so much credit, but can we just talk about what God did in one chapter? First of all, God told Samuel to anoint David. Second of all, Samuel almost anointed the wrong king, and God was like, "Mm mm-mm. Then... God sent a tormenting spirit to the king because he knew the king would need someone to play the harp. And out of all people they could have suggested, who did they suggest? David. And now all of a sudden, David has a front first class trip right into the kingdom. It's crazy, man. The greatest factor in this story is not David. The greatest factor in the story is God. And the greatest factor in your story is God. But the people that God uses, they know two things are absolutely true. They know that my faithfulness is essential, but God's faithfulness is everything. My faithfulness is essential. What you do, how you act, how you live is really important. Don't get it twisted. But at the same time, as you do what you need to do, God will do all the stuff that you could not do. Man, I wish I had time to just tell you stories from my life about me just doing me trying to live for God, and then God putting the right people in my life, putting the right job opportunities in my life, putting the right connections that got me to places I didn't even know how I was going to get there. You got to understand that if you're going to be used by God, man, God's working when you don't see it. I haven't given you the title of my message yet. You might have noticed, probably not, because you don't take notes, but, but, but a short pencil is better than a long memory. Hey, okay. But the title of my message has nothing to do, I guess pencil's outdated. Low power mode is still better than a long memory. Okay. What? Don't make me feel dumb because you didn't understand it, Jaden. Sheesh. <laughs> like, ow, I was kidding. Okay. The title of my message has nothing to do with David. It has everything to do with God. The title of my message is this, a God who is working your reminder. Every message title in this series is kind of laid out like this. A God who's working. This is your reminder. So here's your reminder, okay? God is literally always working. You think David knew everything God was doing when he was in the shepherd's field? Absolutely not. He didn't know God was working behind the scenes. So what I'm trying to tell you today as you leave, I know you're stressed about stuff. I know you're wondering how God's going to work things out in your life or maybe with your family or maybe at school or whatever, man. I know you go through a lot, but here's your reminder. God is literally always working. Your faithfulness is essential, but what he does is everything. It's not like, it's not like 100% and 100% or 50% and 50%. It's like you do 100% and he does like 20 million thousand percent. Your faithfulness is really important, but know that God's doing stuff you could never do. A lot of times, we don't think that God's going to do the impossible, so we don't even do the possible. No, no, no. Do the possible and expect God to do all the stuff that you can't do. Realize it, trust it, and then give him credit for it when he actually does it. Week one recap. The person God uses. They know, number one, even when I'm invisible, I'm still valuable. Say that. When I'm invisible... I'm still valuable. 
Week two, they know that I'm anointed to accomplish my assignment. And lastly, my faithfulness is essential. God's faith. All right, you're okay. Go ahead. My faithfulness is essential. We have got to get on the same page. My faithfulness is essential. God's faithfulness is everything. You believe that? All right, give God praise. Let's pray. Thanks so much for listening. If you live in the Victoria area, stop by one of our services. Church is way better with people. So if you're between the ages of 18 to 29, check out our Instagram at ffc.ya. All of our service info is there. And if you're 6th through 12th grade, check out our Instagram at ffc.sm. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. And even more, I hope it brought you closer to God. Have a great day.